Okay, I think I'm live. I uh, want to say hello out there to uh, all my viewers and listeners. It is always awkward talking to a camera and not being able to see your pearly whites, your smiles, your, your hellos, and your greetings. And I still don't think I'm going to get used to it, but I'm going to try. And today I have a... Uh, it's gonna, we're going to try something a little different today. We're actually going to have a uh, somebody joining us, but I'll get to that later. I, uh, I had a great week. Let's see. I went to Ashland, Kentucky this... Uh, when did I go? I didn't go to Ashland, Kentucky. Never mind. I um, It's late in the day. I got up at 4.50 this morning and got off to work, and it's been a long day. So actually, I didn't go anywhere this weekend. I actually stayed at home, so, but I am going down to the river this weekend, going to go down to the current river, do some camping down there, get on the river, and uh, enjoy some time in, in the best place in the world outside of church, and uh, this is the current river in southern Missouri. If you ever get a chance to go there, I recommend you, you take that, that opportunity. I'm also drinking coffee today out of a Darth Vader mug. I've never actually had anything out of this mug before, but I thought it would be good. I'm bringing a little Darth Gill into the uh, into the podcast, and that's what I'm calling this now. I suppose is it's a podcast, as it's not a uh, it's not a sermon, it's not a uh, Sunday school teaching, it's not it's it's just a podcast, and there is no real set agenda other than to get out there and talk once a week. So, if you don't mind me, if you don't mind watching me drink a little coffee, I'm going to do that. And, hon, if you're out there watching, don't worry, it's decaf coffee. I'm not going to be up all night. Okay. So, let's go ahead and get started. This uh, this week's topic is on Adam. I have written about Adam before. I've talked about Adam in depth and I haven't really spoken about him on one of these live streams, one of these podcasts before, but I'm going to do that today. But, oh yeah, I forgot to mention one more thing. Last week we talked about justification from eternity and the analogy and I got a lot of great feedback on that. And uh, the analogy of comparing uh, eternity and time as to time being this long ruler that everybody is walking along. If you haven't seen that one, go back and check it out. But let's get back to Adam. Okay. So this one's controversial. This one is uh, this one's different. I diverge from just about every Reformed speaker, every free willer speaker, every Catholic speaker, everybody in all of Christianity, whether it's true Christianity or not, they pretty much hold to this teaching and, and the common understanding of Adam and how we relate to him and how we relate to Christ and what Christ did. And I, I just, I, I get away from it all. I, and I can't say that it's something I came up with on my own. Other men have gone before me. They have figured this out on their own. God's revealed the truth to them. 
and it has not been a very popular position because I don't think it's been widely spread. It's it's only known in little places here and there. Uh, Mike Smith might know a little bit more about that because he's told me that he knows, I think, a few folks that hold to it that I was unaware of. But basically, I learned of my position on Adam from a man named Bob Higby. Bob is very near and dear to my heart. He has been involved with Predestinary Network or pristinegrace.org for nearly its entire existence. I think he came to us in 2003, and I started the website in 2001. And when he came to the website, he introduced me to this topic and his, his unique view on Adam, and I was immediately uh, drawn to it, and I loved the doctrine when I was first introduced to it, because, because it just made a whole lot more sense to me than what was out there. So, if most of you who are viewing, if you know me, you probably already know what my position is. This is a repeat for you, but I know there are some folks out there that have never heard this before, and it's just one I want to warn everybody. It, it it's divergent. It's not it's not divergent in the sense that it diverges from what the gospel is, but it's divergent from established norms and established theology. You won't be able to pick up a theology book and even read about this position as something that's even wrong because it's just something that's not even considered. Okay, so I'm going to start tonight with Romans four eight. And I'm going to start, I'm going to, I want you to think about this and, and get your frame of mind set. So I'm going to start with this, this passage. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. I want you to think about that for a little bit. Think, just think about it. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Romans 4.8. How does that apply to you? How does that apply to me? Has your sin, if you're a believer, has your sin been imputed to you? Has it ever been imputed to you? In my previous messages, we talked about uh, Jeremiah 3.3, 3, how God has loved thee with an everlasting love. And... How God does not hate us, he actually loves us, and that is because he views us in Christ. And if he views us in Christ, it means Christ's righteousness has been imputed to our account. We are regarded as righteous. We are not regarded as sinful in the eye of God or the mind of God. We are regarded as righteous. So we, if we are not regarded as sinful and have never been regarded as sinful in God's mind, it seems kind of elementary to even be going through this, but I know there's a lot of wrong thing out there I'd like, I'd like to see corrected, but if we've never been regarded as sinful, it means he has never imputed sin to us. Okay? Blessed is the Lord, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. 
Think about that for a minute. If you're a believer, sin has never been imputed to you. It was never charged to your account. God's mind has not changed. As we learned last week in Justification for Eternity, He is immutable. His mind does not change. Therefore, we have always been accounted as righteous, and sin has never been accounted to us. Okay? So to answer the question earlier, are your sins imputed to you? Were they ever imputed to you? The answer is no, if you're in Christ Jesus. If you're a believer, you've never had your sin imputed to you. So why do we hear about, why do we hear so many people talking about Adam's sin and his sin being imputed to us? It's everywhere. This, this is a teaching you cannot escape. You cannot go into any church today and not hear about it. You can't walk into the Roman Catholic Church. You can't walk into a Southern Baptist Church. You can't walk into a Pentecostal Church. You can't walk into a free grace, sovereign grace church that teaches the gospel. And you're going to hear about Adam's sin being imputed to every everybody. That's because... This teaching goes all the way back, I think, primarily to uh, Augustine. And this is a teaching that I think was brought about as a way to get God off the hook, so to speak, to keep him, to keep his hands clean. Because it, it's, it deals with the origin of evil and the origin of sin, and and people steeped in Greek philosophy, had a, had a wrong view of God, and they wanted to keep evil out of his hands. And, and in doing so, he is no longer sovereign in the way that I think of him as being sovereign. But that's another, that's another video. And I keep saying that a lot, but it is another video. But, so anyway... Let's go. Let's get back on track here. the The truth of the matter is, if you are a believer, you're just like Adam, and his sin is not imputed to you. You don't need his sin to be more of a sinner than what you are. And I've heard of some people saying that if they could meet Adam, they'd slap him, they blame him for their fall into sin. But uh, the reality is, if we were in the same position that Adam was in, we would also be, we would also fall. And we did. Okay? So, when Adam was in the garden, when he fell, that was not, that was not the first instance of sin. There was a, there, he, he was already... He already had an inclination to sin, in my opinion. He, uh, he, he just didn't know it. God knew who God knew who Adam was, and so when Adam when Adam fell, it revealed to who it revealed to Adam who he was. He was a sinner, and he found that he was naked. He found that he was shameful, and so he did like anyone else would when they discover they're naked and shameful he ran and he hid and he tried to cover himself but 
God, who knew this was going to happen, he went looking for him, and he came to Adam, and just just like he comes to each and every one of us who, who, who love God, and he covered him, and he pointed him to Christ, just as he does us. So, so that's, that's my position on Adam, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about how I came to that, to, to, that, to that position. And I start with Romans 5, and this is, I, this is a tough passage to read, but I think it's important to, to look at it objectively, and you need to read through it again and not, and not read through it without paying very close attention to the words and the context that those words are. Okay? Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and read this passage for you, and I'd like you to, to pay really close attention to it. I want you to pay close attention, to, close attention to the words all men and many. Okay, so Romans 5, I'm going to read verses 17 through 19. For if one man's offense death reign by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men. Who are, who are those all men? Think about it for a minute. To condemnation, even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men, justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, many be made righteous. Okay. Now, this is where the free willers and the sovereign grace believers, the Calvinists, this is where they, they differ. They, they, they interpret this passage completely different. And the funny thing is they actually both get it wrong, in my opinion. The, the Arminian gets it wrong, and in doing so, the free willer, they get it wrong, and in doing so, they, they destroy the message of the gospel. These... The sovereign grace believer, the free grace believer, they they still misinterpret this passage, but they don't destroy the gospel message. And so I'm I'm cool with a lot of believers out there. They they I don't consider this a a position to divide over, but I just I I want to read to you how they they uh, they interpret this. So when you get to the words all men in this passage, and many, the Arminian, the free willer, they believe that represents all men universally. They believe all men means everybody who ever lived. So, if death came upon all men, righteousness came upon all men. Okay? Then they get to the words many, and they say, oh, that means everybody as well. Okay? <laughs> and, uh... So they they, 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 they they mess up the uh, the gospel. They they view the atonement as a universal atonement in that passage. Okay. The 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 sovereign grace believer, they re, they the sovereign grace teacher, they teach this passage, okay, they get they they see all men condemned in Adam, and then they get to the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life, and they interpret that as just the elect. 
because they read further in the next sentence, uh, many made sinners, uh, obedience shall many be made righteous. But the it's inconsistent. It's not a consistent reading of that passage. Why does the why does the context for all men and many change in the exact same sentence? Well, I know why the sovereign grace teacher changes the context. It has to stay, the context has to change if you want to stay consistent with the gospel. If you believe, if you start off with the all men being all men universal, but all men there. Adam is not representative of all men. So the correct reading of this passage is as follows. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon the elect to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon the elect unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience the elect were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall the elect be made righteous. I, 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 uh, I stayed consistent, the context did not change, and the, and the gospel was not destroyed the way the free world would do that. So I believe that is the proper reading of that passage. Free willers think the words all and many can be used interchangeably. They believe the phrase all men means all men universally. And when they get to many being made righteous, they believe it pertains to all men as well. And the, the sovereign grace believer gets to many and they, they understand that this is only, the, the, the atonement only applies to the elect. So that's a proper reading of Romans 5 is a, a, is a good start at understanding where I am on this. Okay? So, so now we have objections to this. Okay? And this is what I've called Mike Smith for. I'm going to call Mike Smith now. He is He has graciously agreed to actually be our first host on this on this show this podcast and so i'm going to give him a call and if this works out we'll continue to have more guests on the show so bear with me as i actually go to old tech and call him up on his phone now before we we begin with this i, I just want everybody to know that i have actually never spoken with mike smith before. So this is this is going to be neat and we're going to catch uh, the reaction of meeting each other for the first time. So here we go. And I'm glad I waited to do this. So let me go into my handy dandy iPad here and uh, hopefully you can all hear it well. Okay. So Mike, I'm calling you if you're listening. Well, Mike, this is Brandon. Hey, Brandon. Hey, it's good to hear your voice. Hey, good to hear yours too. Were you, were you watching on the live stream? 
I was. I can't watch while I'm on the phone, but sure. uh, I, when, I'm glad to be with you. Well, now you're part of the show. <laughs> yeah. Your show, your show just went down in value. Yeah. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't in. It didn't have a lot of value to begin with. So that, <laughs> that's okay. I don't. I think I have a a large audience of five, maybe maybe six. <laughs> well, maybe they'll hang in with us. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know that's. Uh, our message isn't all that popular. I noticed when you uh, you have your uh, live streams on Sunday, you don't have a lot of viewers either. So yeah, no, not very. very. Okay, well, it's nice to hear your voice. I think we've known each other. I think online. I don't know how long. Uh, it's been quite a while. I actually, when I first came to the Doctrines of Grace, uh, started uh, reading things off your website on Christine Grace. Uh, so it's been it's been a while since at least I've been interacting with uh, your website, and uh, but I don't think me and you really kind of started talking back and forth online much. Okay. For you know, over maybe a few years ago. Okay, I thought I oh I thought I went back further than that for some reason. Okay, what? A long time ago, three years. We've known each other on Facebook. <laughs> You partially corrected me a few times on the predestinarian form. Oh, okay. So you were on there. Okay. Well, yes, I was. Yes. So was that when I was Darth Gill? That was Darth Gill. And I and I I, I yanked out my my proverbial lightsaber and uh, sliced you to pieces. Uh, a couple times. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, what were you? What were you like back then? Were you a you weren't? Were you a free willer or are you a low grace Calvinist or what were you then at that time? No, I, I was just a, a, a green a green Calvinist. A green Calvinist, okay. Which I, which I'm not a Calvinist anymore. Yeah, well, neither am I. I don't like that name. I don't even go by hyper Calvinist anymore. So. <laughs> right. I don't mind that badge. I take it out once in a while. Yeah, yeah. I'm a. I. I. I am what you call a uh, hyper free grace believer. There you go. There you go. <laughs> hyper free gracer. That's what I am. Hyper. <laughs> okay. So the, the let's go. Let's get back to the subject at hand, if you don't mind, and we can talk another time per, about personal details. But okay. So I'm going to pretend to be a radio host here. Okay, and. I've invited you onto this this show, Mike, because you and I have agreement on this. There aren't a lot of folks out there that agree with us on this. So, so how did you come to understand uh, that Adam was representative of only the elect, and that his sin is not imputed to uh, uh, everybody? Well, just. Uh... I mean, just studying through the scriptures, you know, of course, I don't know how far into what you want to talk about, about Adam mm -hmm. tonight, but, uh, you know, I began to see that, uh, you know, this whole theological understanding that we have about Adam, uh, as it's found in, you know, uh, books and theologians and confessions of faith and things like that. You know, I was finding what I was reading in the scripture did not really line up with that. And uh, as I found a lot of things, you know, over the course of my time that the Lord has, you know, brought me into the doctrines of grace, 
uh, I found that a lot of, even within the doctrines of grace, there's some differences of understanding that I find in the scriptures. But uh, I'd probably say just more studying on uh, studying on Adam and how he was created. And uh, whenever I began to see that the Bible teaches that uh, that Adam was made natural and not spiritual, mm-hmm. uh, and that how Adam was of the earth earthy, uh, that uh, whenever he was created, uh, he was created in such a way that uh, uh, God had a purpose in bringing sin and death into the world. And so in studying all about Adam, I just really began to see that, uh, you know, that, uh, that a lot of things I was reading wasn't lining up with that. But uh, as you pointed out there in, uh, in Romans, uh, I believe that uh, he represents the elect in the fact that uh, uh, he, is, uh, uh, he is the one that uh, made that way with sin. But yet, uh, he is uh, not uh, not imputed with that sin, and we are not imputed with that sin because of our union with Christ Jesus. Right. Okay. Well, thanks. Yeah, I I'm I'm in agreement with you on that. And like you said, Adam was was an earthy fellow. He was he was uh, he didn't have a perfect righteousness. And you hear a lot of folks talk about how Adam was this perfectly holy person that somehow sinned and rebelled against God. Okay? And I just believe a perfectly righteous person is incapable of sinning like that. And so there's almost a contradiction or a paradox that's introduced in modern theology with the, with the, the, the topic of Adam. And, and the same thing with Satan as well. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that, I, that was one of the things that really intrigued me is the fact, and, and I grew up being taught uh, that, uh, that, you know, Adam was made, he was in this kind of holy, upright state of... Uh, without sin and was had the spirit in him that God went in the verse where it says that God breathed into his uh, nostrils and, and he became a living soul uh, that that meant that he became spiritually alive but we can't find anywhere in scripture where the Bible says that Adam was made in a spiritual way or was a spiritually alive person and died spiritually uh, Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, it literally says that he was made a living soul, but that word soul just means one who's alive, just a living person. Uh, and it, But it goes on to say that uh, he was not that, the first man was not that, that was spiritual, but that was which was natural, and Christ was the one who was spiritual. And uh, so we find that uh, man, Adam was made just a natural man. And whenever the law entered in, you know, it made manifest what was already part of his nature. And I know, like you said, this isn't a very popular topic, and uh, everyone will say, well, you mean that he was created with the sin nature? Well, he was made with the natural nature, and that natural nature cannot keep the law of God. And it just manifested who he was. I think you mentioned that earlier in what you said, is that uh, he didn't know that. He had the propensity or the... You know, and that's another word that those people use is he has the propensity or the proclivity or the 
you know, the whatever to sin, uh, you know, what does that mean? Well, it means that there was something inside of Adam that he could be drawn to sin. Well, that's very good. That's that you, you, you teach it way better than I do. I'll just give you that. Okay. <laughs> okay. So some of the objections we have also uh, are, okay, so if you believe uh, Adam, uh, if Adam's sin is not imputed to us, well, then you deny total depravity. But that's not true. I, I mean, no. I mean, we're all born just like Adam, shaping in, in, in sin, shaping in, in, in iniquity. The uh, Psalm 51 says, uh, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin my, did my mother conceive me. And Psalm 58 says, The wicked are estranged from the womb. Back, back in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, where I was quoting about mm -hmm. the spiritual not being first, but that which was natural. Yes. It even says there, it says, as is the earthy, so are they also who are earthy. Uh, so that means that we were we were formed in the natural way. We are formed after Adam, and we are just like Adam. So Adam was the first man who was made natural, and we are all his offspring in the natural way. And so... You know, we, we just exhibit uh, or uh, we uh, show forth, manifest uh, the same characteristic that Adam had, a natural uh, a natural nature that cannot keep the law of God. And so like you said a while ago, whether Adam sinned or not, if we would come down the pipe, we would have done the same thing because that's our nature. Right. Yeah. But I always find it humorous when I hear that people would would slap Adam. <laughs> they ought to be slapping themselves because they do the same, they, they do the same thing. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, Brandon, yeah. I think one of the first times that I kind of began to look at that and realize that part, uh, was a, was a, I can't exactly remember. There's a preacher that I was talking to and I don't remember who it was off the top of my head, but he brought up the fact that in Genesis, whenever God was telling Adam not to eat of the trees. Yeah. He didn't say, if you eat of the tree, you will surely die. He said, in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. He was making the declaration of what was going to happen. He wasn't saying... Oh, that's a good point. I, I've heard that before. I think you mentioned that to me before. That's a very good point. I, I kind of so, like that. You know, I kind of like that I add that to the article. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the whole fall of Adam. Uh, was that the purpose of God? Because we know, if you go back, the purpose of God from the foundation of the world was to glorify Himself in the redemption of a people through His Son. Amen. And so, if sin does not sin and death doesn't enter into the world for His Son to have take victory over and to redeem a people that has fallen into that, then you know, then that whole purpose and plan from eternity would not happen. And that's where we get these people that says that there's a plan B that God did. You know, that's not true. Right. If God doesn't react. Beginning. Yeah. So, so Satan and Adam was created in such a way to bring forth that which he had purpose. And it was a good purpose. Yes, and it was a good purpose because it was, even though it, even though those acts were sinful and a transgression against God, they were his purpose to glorify himself, and that's why he can make Adam in the nature 
to bring in sin and death and can look at Adam and his creation and say it was good. It was good in the fact that it was created for the purpose that he intended for it to be. And that was to bring in sin and death into the world. Right. <coughs> Going back, here's another objection. And I think you I think you actually gave me the answer to that. Uh, okay, so we, we're saying that Adam had a earthy nature. He had a somewhat sinful nature in the garden. But what do you say to people when they say that the Bible says he was made upright? You know, Ecclesiastes 7.29 says, I, But God hath made man upright. What, what does that mean to you? throughout scripture uh, for people after the quote-unquote fall of Adam. You know, David was uh, considered upright. Job was considered upright. Yet we knew both of those men uh, was uh, men who had already been born after sin and death had entered into the world. So in the construct of, you know, Adam's imputation of sin to all mankind, if that's what you want to hold to, then David and Job would have been imputed sin and then imparted sin through their nature. Uh, and so how could they be called upright? I see what you're saying. But, but as far as Adam is concerned, the word upright just means, you know, that he had not yet sinned. You know, he had not brought any transgression uh, against God, although his nature was that that would that could not keep the law. He had not yet committed that transgression until that point. So, you know, sin has to start somewhere. And yeah, so, it was it was a, it was no overt act, but Adam, it was. but Adam's Adam had a sin nature, in my opinion. He had a nature that brought forth sin. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And of course, and of course, even as you know, a free will, when I was a free willer, and even as a early sovereign gracer, you know, I would always say we're not, we're not, uh, uh, we're not sinners because we sin, but we sin because we're sinners. Meaning that the nature is why we do what we do. It wasn't the act that made us that, but it was. Well, if that's the case, then the reason that Adam sinned was because he had the nature to mm -hmm. sin. Right. So if Adam yeah. was, if Adam was a perfectly righteous person and had a perfectly righteous nature, he wouldn't have sinned. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And so Adam's sin's not imputed to the elect, and he's therefore he's not our substitute as well. And you hear that spoken all the time. Oh my goodness, it's so hard to listen to, and I. I hear it from people that I love to listen to. Adam this, Adam this, Adam that. And I, I really would love to see people come to a better understanding of Adam because I think it really muddies the water somewhat. Especially when you hear a, uh, hear a great sermon on, on the righteousness of Christ on, on the gospel. The next thing you know, it, it's being almost polluted with the federal headship substitute doctrine of Adam. And that's why I'm actually going forward with this. I, I would love to see other people come to understand that by, by tossing aside this Adam 
and I'm going to call it what it is. It's at the Adam substitute imputation of Adam's sin garbage. We get a we we can sit and enjoy the gospel in a in a in a clear way. It's more pristine. I'm going to use that word again, pristine. And that that's why I I want to talk about that. And it I think it's an important it's an important doctrine to understand because it helps us to to love and understand the gospel more. And what what's what's your thought about that? Well, I I I find it kind of interesting that anybody that would hold to eternal justification would even believe that Adam's sin was imputed. I know. To the elect. I know. I know. But I it's I that it's a tough one to understand, but I I understand why people do that, and I think it's because it's just they theology and is learned in pieces. Okay, you you a lot of people they learn a doctrine one piece at a time. They'll um, Johnny Cash song one piece at a time. Okay, we have a car. Like that, that old Johnny Cash song where he, you know, he stole from GM one piece at a time and he put it all together and you got this funky looking car. Okay. Well, that's what we've got. That's what we people have done. That's what theologians have done. They've developed a theology one piece at a time. And so they developed the very first thing you develop in your life is this doctrine of Adam. I, I mean, this is taught in every Sunday school across the country, across the world. You are a sinner because of what Adam did. Okay, that is just drilled into you. It's drilled into everybody. You can't open up a theology textbook without hearing that. You you, you open up John Gill's Body of Doctrinal Divinity, and there it is. It doesn't matter who the theologian is. This is, this is drilled into you. It's Augustinian theology that... Almost all of Western civilization is built upon it seems like so here we are we've we've piecemealed our theology together we we've discovered the joys of justification from eternity later on in our in our uh, more mature christian lives and and we still haven't ditched the garbage of Adam that's what I think we've done, and I think that's why you you have people that seemingly hold to both. It's paradoxically well, held together. I probably would also add, I think maybe some of the confusion and, and wrong thinking also comes from a misunderstanding of justification. A lot of times people still like to dive into justification as a has a uh, effect of, um, uh, of not just legal... Uh, means but of experiential means uh, they think that because somebody's justified you know because i hear this all the time whenever i talk about this you mean to tell me that if we were never imputed without sin you know then what were we what what needed to be justified you know what you know if there was no condom condemnation on our head then why did christ have to die so that we might not be condemned oh i see is, yeah I think that what happens is, is they still think that, you know, justification causes us to not be sinners. <laughs> and that's not true. After we're justified, we still have sin. 
And so we still can be justified even though we have not been saved, that we have not and when I say saved, I mean converted, you know. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. So we're born justified because we were justified in Christ. But, Absolutely. So, but in imputation, and we talked about, I don't know if you saw my last week's uh, podcast where we talked about justification from eternity, where imputation is a uh, is a imminent act. It occurs solely within the mind of God. Okay? Yes. And we talked about immutability and how God's mind does not change. Okay, so if you start with those, and this is something that John Gill and all justification from eternity adherents believe. They believe that God's immutable, his mind doesn't change, that imputation is an imminent act of God. Okay, but so you would, th so what, what are they thinking then that, at, at, oh, I, this is God, he's viewing Adam, now he views the elect in Adam, and then all of a sudden Christ comes along, and then he views them in Christ. Is that is that how they think? Is that how, what they're thinking? I hope not, because that's not true at all. God doesn't, his, not, his mind isn't changing from Adam to Christ. And and and, and so, yeah, I, I agree with you. If you hold to the doctrine of justification from eternity, this is going to... This that sh that alone should knock out this bad Adam theology. Well, and and there's another passage of scripture in Numbers, Numbers uh, twenty chapter twenty three and verse twenty one that says, "He hath not yeah. beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them." How can that exactly that Romans verse you read about imputation? How can that and this verse be true if there's ever any imputation of sin? Exactly. Because God's mind does nobody, not change. Nobody falls under. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not sin. Then there would be none who are blessed that way because the Lord has imputed sin to everybody. Right. Immutability ties into this, for sure. Impute, imputation of sin... Uh, that says, unto whom the Lord imputeth not, okay, mm -hmm. that becomes that becomes null and void if, if there's any imputation to anybody, because all that would mean is that there is a removal of imputation. Right. But, that, but that's not even taught either, you know. Even the ones who believe in, in imputation of Adam's sin, they still believe that after a person is born again, they still have the imputation of Adam's sin upon them. Well, I that's crazy. I've never I don't recall coming across that lately. But uh, if people out there are thinking that, that's nuts. But in my opinion. But I mean, if, mm -hmm. if he's not beheld, what does the word beheld mean? Before his face, seen, looked upon. You know? Yeah. If God doesn't change, he's never beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither has he seen perverseness in Israel. Does that mean that we've never sinned? That's that, that's one of the objections that come up, Brandon. Is does it so you mean to tell me that we've never sinned? <laughs> no, that means that God's never right. beheld it in Yeah, we've never been charged with sin, even though we have sinned. Yeah, exactly. And not that's just our sin is not imputed to us. Adam's sin is not imputed to us. All of our sins have been charged to Christ. And of course, to the objector that would say, that why did Christ have to die for us? That's because we had actual sin. Right. We 
we, we still have to be legally uh, redeemed from that. Right. And so, uh, yeah, Christ still had to die, even though we were justified from the foundation of the world. There still mm-hmm. had to be that substitution. Right. I agree. Okay. Good. I'm sorry, I'm sorry Brandon. I'm kind of taking over all the time. No, 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 no. I, I love it. You're, you're so much better at this than me. Maybe we should uh, have somebody else hosting this show. Uh, <laughs> maybe you should host it. I dial in. <laughs> Uh, but oh yeah, so thank you so much for calling in, Mike. I I really do appreciate that. This has really been good. This is going up on Sermon Audio. This is for this is going to be good for other people to download and listen to. So well, that'd be good. Maybe we can find other folks that uh, uh, have been uh, thinking this way. Yeah. Well, I can name on about two hands folks that it would agree with us on this. And and I I, don't, I don't, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, there, there's a lot among the old school Baptists uh, that kind of hold to that this whole thing of uh, uh, Adam uh, uh, that you know there wasn't anything he could do but sin, you know, and uh, that uh, it was his nature and it just manifested what he was. And uh, you know, I've I've read that among a lot of the uh, old school Baptists, uh, especially among like the the BB Baptists and all that kind of stuff, but. Uh, you, you're right. You don't hear of it too often. Whenever you come across anybody that that holds to these things, man, it's kind of it's kind of nice so you can talk about it once in a while. I've I've uh, shared this with a few of my preacher friends that I fellowship with and everything, and they're still a little standoffish about it. Yeah, they don't they don't say that they totally disagree, but they just can't bring themselves to say that they believe that Adam has a has a propensity to sin, but they just can't bring themselves to say that Adam has a sin. Nature. Right. It's it's kind of it's kind of scary to 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 uh, be where we are. It's it, it's a hard position for me to take at times. I find it to be risky because, well, for one, I don't want to cause division amongst any uh, of God's sure. elect over this issue. But I also believe this to be truth. And I do believe the truth should be proclaimed. So, yeah, you know, we we've got to we've got to write a fine line here. We need to be careful in how we present this. I I I do believe this is an important doctrine to understand, but I don't believe if you disagree with us on this, you're denying the gospel. And uh, absolutely, it's a no, I would call this a non gospel issue in the sense that it's not something to divide over. But I have been told that what I am teaching is flat out heresy, and that I've destroyed the gospel message before, and I think it's, I think a lot of that's just a knee-jerk reaction because it just goes against the, it goes against everything that's ever been taught. (laughs) And so when you're, so when you're, when you're presented with something new like this, I I understand. And that's actually, in many ways, that's a good, that's a good, uh, that is, in many ways, that's, that's a good self-defense mechanism because there are doctrines that aren't, that aren't uh, widely accepted, that are strange and new and we are right to reject them i've heard a lot of some i've heard i've heard some about some crazy stuff out there (laughs) that is heresy so 
So I understand why folks are that way. But so I'm just like any everybody else out everything I've said before, don't take what I have to say about this as the final word. Please go study. Go study it, go learn it, research it, and come to this conclusion on your own. Maybe may the Lord grant you that knowledge. And uh Okay, so that's really all i got to say about that. Do you have anything else you'd like to add to this discussion, Mike, that, that might be useful? No, I, I, I was going to bring up some stuff out, out of James, but I know your position on that, so we might not go there. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. And uh, that's all i got. So, everybody... Uh, Everybody have a great day. Thank you, Mike, for, for dialing in. And, yeah, thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, we're going to have to do this again. So uh, maybe we'll I'm talk. Gonna get up there to St. I'm eventually going to get up there to St. Louis. We can hang out maybe a little bit. Okay, yeah. It's just, just up the interstate about four hours. Yeah, it, it is quite a ways. You know, I've, there's also a church down in Jackson, Missouri, uh, the... Uh, Drew Dietz, Sovereign Grace Church down there that I, I travel to. It's about a 90-minute drive for us. It might, be, it might be a little closer for you guys as well. And there are some, there are some great believers in that church too. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, we, we will meet each other someday, hopefully. So, yeah, so, okay. Well, well, brother, you you have a great day, and thanks for dialing in, and we'll talk to you later. And everybody else, have a great day. Thanks for watching. See you next week, this time, Thursday, 6.30 p.m. Central. See you later.